Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Four Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Napsley. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. We're going to talk about news, and then we're going to take some cues, <laughs> which means take some questions. I never said take some cues before, and I surprised myself, Ken. Hey, you all got to take some cues. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't even know what it means, but I surprised myself. Look, hey, come on. Yeah. Take the cue. What does that mean? I don't know, but we're going to do it. 
This is great. Well, you and I are both coming off a very uh, fun, full, personal weekend. Uh, and, and I know we uh, both might be running in a little tired and ragged. So maybe this is the Loopy Force Center episode everyone's already always wanted. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Loopy Loop Center. Loopy Loop Center. But before we get to all the loops, uh, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And that's not all, Joseph. No, we have another offer. It comes from Inside Editions. They publish a ton of great Star Wars books and other awesome pop culture books. Inside Editions is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, you can enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection. Uh, You can get this book at a discount. Then you can listen to the long episode we did about this book. It is a great collection of exactly what it says pictures of lightsabers which is just top tier star wars content as far as i'm concerned and you can check it out with the code fc35 i love that book it's uh, in my uh, studio here and i this weekend did, did that thing where i just picked it up and i just i just thumbed through it for about 10 pages and went oh yeah i like lightsabers they're so good every once in a while it's on my shelf and every once in a while when i'm like working on some writing and i'll just uh, be pacing and need a break and just like i'm gonna look at tara sanube's uh, lightsaber cane because I just, I need that in my day right now. And this book makes it possible. Yeah, get the book by using that code FC35. Hey, hey, hey. Um, we've got uh, some Star Wars Alive Adventures to talk about here. Uh, I, I know you got a, got out of town, much deserved uh, continued rest, uh, Joseph, for you. <laughs> I don't know if you had any uh, Star Wars adventures out there this time around. I did. It is so weird because, you know, we we uh, always do this. We talk about any major life adventures or any Star Wars adventures that we have every week. So sometimes my week's going along. And I'm like, wow, outside of reading or watching things for Force Center or thinking about one of the questions, I haven't had another kind of adventure. And then suddenly one just pops up. So, uh, yeah, my wife and I went to this nice little hotel uh, with an ocean view. And we mostly just sat inside and read books and looked at the ocean. And it was great. And I was like, this is great. The ocean makes me think of many uh, themes of Star Wars about, you know, acceptance and being connected to nature and all sorts of things. Like, me, I'm gonna, that's going to be my Star Wars adventure. Uh, just talking about the ocean. Uh, then Sarah and I went to uh, this nice little Italian restaurant uh, right on the beach. And uh, we were having a conversation and I had to say to my wife, I'm, I'm so sorry, I need to eavesdrop now. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, in the murmur of voices in this relatively small uh, uh, restaurant, I just suddenly heard Star Wars. I was like, okay, I got to hear what <laughs> this is. And then I heard this voice start to get excited and speak even louder of like, I know, I know maybe Star Wars isn't for everyone, but you have to check out this show. It is called The Mandalorian. <laughs> Somebody's like, what? The Mandalorian. He's like a Boba Fett guy. <laughs> uh, and it was really great because it was, uh, I, I detected where it was coming from. It was this table of, I don't know, between 30 to 40, maybe 50 year old uh, women, mm-hmm. you know, drinking wine, nicely dressed, discussing the television shows they were enjoying. And this one woman just like 
going hard making mm. <laughs> this pitch for the Mandalorian. And it was just one of those moments that I think we can all get caught up in our stereotypes of, of you know, yeah. who we think fans of different things are and, and what they look like. And it was just this great stereotype shattering uh, yeah. the table full of people enjoying wine in an Italian restaurant. And this one woman just being like, oh, did did you guys uh, enjoy Mayor of Easttown? Whatever. I'm selling you on the Mandalorian. You got to get Disney Plus. Uh, and it was just a, it was really fun moment because I hadn't had any Star Wars adventures. And just uh, the galaxy gifted me one in a nice little Italian restaurant by the ocean. That's great. That's a great one, too. Yeah. And like I said, uh, um just a subtle reminder all the time that Star Wars knows no bounds in terms of fans, in terms of those that wants to, it, it to love. <laughs> yeah. To love it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really nice and, and a really a great reminder that Star Wars is for absolutely everyone mm-hmm. and doesn't mean just people, you know, uh, actively wearing a Star Wars t-shirts yeah. and walking down the street with the toy lightsaber. <laughs> anyone yeah. you interact with might uh be a big fan of star wars love that uh uh speaking of toys so my star wars adventures uh, i have two things there and I, I texted you one and i posted the other photo i i, I could have taken more photos uh some family in town and and you know we're all vaccinated everything so we we hit the we hit the we hit the town by town i mean shopping <laughs> by town by shopping i mean at a at like a marshall's right <laughs> and I always, you know, you can find a good shirt there that's misstitched, but it's 30% off. And, you know, I, I have, I've, I've, I, I love shopping some of those places. No problem there. But I always take the swing by the toy aisle like you and I and a lot of Star Wars fans do. Because what weird Star Wars toys are you going to find at the Marshalls or the TJ Maxx or the Rosses or whatever? What have you? Not sponsors. Uh, and I, sure enough. I find there are these little drones and I, if someone, if you follow me on Twitter, I posted the, the Grogu one and, and, and they're little like tennis balls with little drone helicopter blades on them, motion sensor drone or whatever they're called. And they're officially licensed. And the Grogu one's great because it's Grogu in the pram and he's got two rotors on him <laughs> on top of it. Like he's, and he's got the smiley look like he's just happy to be flying around, just spying on yards and stuff. <laughs> it was great. So I take a picture of it behind it is another one. And then I look over and then there is just a green, like golf ball size ball, spherical, a spherical object there, just dark green. And on it is Yoda's pissed off face <laughs> just painted on almost like a decal. And I took that picture and I sent that one to you. Uh, and it's just like, here's the Yoda toy you're looking for. But, and then I found a stormtrooper, uh, excuse me, stormtrooper one like that. It was like a black uh, golf ball size thing, but that's a stormtrooper helmet. But this one just looked like Yoda's stuck on a ball floating through, <laughs> through the galaxy. He, was, he wasn't enlightened Yoda, not happy Yoda, not even uh, Seagull, stop it, please, Yoda. He was, why am I here? This is, you're bothering me. And uh, I absolutely love it. I love those weird Star Wars toys. Oh, yeah, that is a great one. I wasn't even sure from the photo at, at first what it was. So a drone, that's so great, too, because who is going to see that? You know, obviously the person... <laughs> who owns and operates the drone and if you just yeah. fly it around in your yard for fun or whatever, but the idea that like, yeah, uh, look, there's some sort of a crisis going on downtown. We got some drones trying to figure out what it, uh, this one has a pissed off Yoda on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I could track it down. I, I absolutely would have bought the Yoda one for you. The line to get out of the store, everyone had maybe post pandemic kind of vaccinated rush. The line was wrapped around the store to, to check out. 
Wow. And that was, it's just not worth the joke, but I, I, I would have bought it for you. And, <laughs> well, and, you know, and I know, you know, you, 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 if, if anyone follows Joseph, you see those great photos of the uh, cocktails from his uh, apartment balcony overlooking LA. I, I, I just envisioned you drinking a cocktail and flying your Yoda drone <laughs> off the top. That's Bad what yeah. I would use a cranky Yoda drone for is to uh, take better cocktail selfies of myself, <laughs> yeah. not look into other people's windows. Uh, just, uh, yeah, floating it by other people's patios and them going, honey, did you just see an angry Yoda floating by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I'm imagining his wonderful speech to Luke in Empire Strikes Back about how the force connects everything. The force is between here on my balcony to over there to that tree to this person's balcony. It's all connected through this drone. Uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely would have committed to the bit and bought it. But uh, next time, sir, next time, maybe I'll go on like a Tuesday morning. Wow, this is great. We both have stories of Star Wars just being everywhere, not just the places you expect. You're going to Marshalls and people are like, what? What all is available at Marshalls, right? Some like uh, some discount pants, like uh, a, a mini <laughs> a barbecue for your patio and then a Yoda drone, right? Angry Yoda drone. <laughs> So that was good. That's the first part of my Star Wars adventure. I did want to highlight another one. Uh, our, our pal, Jamie Stangroom. A lot of people think Jamie does VO on ads out nowadays. <laughs> um, Jamie's great. I lo- we, we love his channel. We've had Jamie on Force Center, and, and we'll be, we've been over there, and we will be again. He's such a, a great guy. Um, he does those, uh, those uh, interviews with the, these are the actors you're looking for, where he finds uh, actors who are maybe less covered or had smaller uh, parts in Star Wars, and they're always great. They're always charming, and they're always delightful. Uh, so he had one up his most re- recent one. I think he does them about once a month now. And he had uh, Carol Christina De Silva, who was uh, Rabe from Phantom Menace, one of the handmaidens. Wow. And it's a great interview. And she's wonderful. And I, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's been, what, 20 plus years now. So uh, she's obviously uh, aged like all of us. And it, she is she has the heart of a child, like just this endearing energy. She's so great. She's just so great. And she loves, and, and she, she loves Phantom Menace and she loved it then. And she goes, I recently rewatched it and I loved it even more. So she's got this great energy. So she has a new YouTube channel that she started. I wanted, I wanted to tell everyone about it. It's called the magic of human beings. And it's a very uh, uh, fresh channel, a small amount of subscribers. And she's just interviewing a bunch of people. Uh, she came out of the, you know, the end of the pandemic, just wanted to really talk to humans and talk to people. And, and uh, focus on, on on the positive stuff there, and, and just has this great challenge. She has a great interview, about an hour long interview with EK Johnston. Oh wow! Uh, check it on out. Check out her channel. Uh, she's in the Star Wars family, and it's not all Star Wars stuff. It's all all across the board. The EK interview is great. I'm uh, working my way through it. There's also it's wonderful too because um, she's uh, lives in London now, and and so she's you know I think EK Johnston's up in Canada somewhere up there, and so like they're talking you know, using the Yoda drone satellite to talk. And so at one point, like, you know, Carol's video kind of drops out. Uh, Christina Carol's video drops out, but it, it doesn't matter. You're just so, she's so charming and endearing. Even EK just sits there waiting. <laughs> and I was like watching the interview, like she'll come back. Uh, and it's great. So anyways, highly recommend it. Part of the star Wars family. Check it out. The magic of human, human beings, the channel of uh, Carol, Carol, Christina Da Silva, who is of course, Rabe from the Phantom Menace. The legacy of the Phantom Menace lives on. That is so great and, and just amazing to think of uh, one of the uh, performers who actually portrayed a handmaiden uh, mm-hmm. having an interview with E.K. Johnston, who has uh, so taken the idea of what the handmaidens are and really mm-hmm. explored it so well in those books. 
Well, it was intriguing. You know, on Jamie's interview, he, they mentioned it, and and she knows all about them and, know, and has read the books, and, and that's not surprising per se. But a lot of, you know, you get a lot of interviews with, with Star Wars actors, and I don't know, I can barely remember the movie. Was I in that one? Or, eh, I go to a convention, I sign things. And and she does as well, and that's how she discovered it. Someone brought one of the books, I think brought the, the first one, Queen's, uh, Queen's Peril to, uh, or excuse me, Queen's Shadow, uh, and um, that's how she found out about it. And then she wasn't just like, oh, that's neat. She was like, what? Oh, let me find out. And and just is all in on him, too. So it was a fun interview uh, as uh, with, with EK, like you said, just like a young girl growing up thinking of the handmaidens gets to talk to a handmaiden after the book she wrote about the handmaidens and the queen. It's a real powerful Star Wars moment. Absolutely. That's a great one. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so Star Wars adventures can be found anywhere. Uh, from there, we're going to go to Star Wars news this week in Star Wars news. When you when you throw out the leaks and throw out spoilers and throw out set pictures uh, and even some holiday gift guides, Joseph, you have uh, these two stories we've got today. All right. First I'm one. excited. Yeah. <laughs> first, yeah, please be excited. Uh, the first one is up is from Deadline. Uh, we got an addition to the Andor cast. Uh, this is Robert M's best known for his work in the HBO series Chernobyl and his dark materials has been some uh, great movies as well. He's now part of the cast in an undisclosed role. Uh, so we're going to start there with uh, thoughts on that uh, again, not much to that, but we, uh, we got a name, we got an official name. Yeah. Look, I am as excited as I can be uh, being someone who uh, has never seen any of the shows or movies that Robert M is in. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. uh, I I'm not familiar with this actor. Just got to be honest about it. But I did look through uh, his IMDb and watched uh, some clips of uh, him discussing other roles. And I think the thing that jumped out to me, Ken, is yeah. that this actor, especially uh, lately, uh, has been involved in in heavy stuff in terms of the yeah. content of the movies and the television shows. And not that any actor from comedy to drama can't uh, hop over and do the other thing, but often actors do get kind of cast in, into the kind of roles that they have been doing lately unless they, they break free. Uh, it, it's made me really intrigued to see an actor who clearly has heavy drama chops uh, mm -hmm. being added to Andor. I, I really think that this series is going to surprise people. I think it is not going to pull its punches on the horror of espionage uh, or mm. the horror of the era that it's set in and having yet another sort of heavy hitter dramatic actor added to the cast only makes me think about that more. Yeah. And so some, again, I'm not super familiar with uh, all the, the stuff as well. Um, I didn't watch Chernobyl because my grandmother's sister lived in Chernobyl. So I'm quite familiar with a lot of the story, the ins and outs and the horrors there. So I just didn't want to re relive that one. Didn't watch it friends. Uh, but it just everything about him and, and the list, again, like you just said, too, not to remix it, but it's like, yeah, your IMDb list doesn't mean that that's what you're going to be doing in the show. You just been casted. But it adds uh, it seemed to add to the tone. Yes. And I and I looked at his uh, just looked at his face and I was like, oh, what a great imperial officer. I don't know if, all, if that's the case at all, but it just has that vibe. So. Great place to start on that. I did want to uh, go from there since there's not much more on that. And, and yeah, as always, you know, unless StarWars.com says it, we don't really consider it officially confirmed. But Deadline's uh, an actual uh, uh, news source. Uh, so we, we we take that. There's some other rumors going around, too. There's one of Sergeant Melshi perhaps back for the show. And I was like, yeah, that's I didn't I wouldn't have expected that again. So far, not confirmed. It's like a Reddit thing, and everything. But. That'd be kind of fun, too. I, I don't know if you saw that one going around, Joseph. I did not see that one, but I would welcome the return of Melshi. Yeah. 
<laughs> the return of Melshi. In addition, the article summed up some various uh, various Andor details that we may or may not have known. Some we might have known, but I figure a good time to kind of recap, Joseph, as, yeah. as we get into the series. So what things uh, things in this deadline article, we got a 12-episode season set for 2022. Filming wraps this summer. Of course, as we know, Kenobi being uh, filmed at the same time. Uh, so far, Andor looks to be maybe more in location than the other series, but that's not necessarily a fact. And I'm not even talking about leaked photo sets. Just seems like a lot of things you've heard and seen, even in teaser reels and everything. Uh, so we see that see uh, where that uh, where that show lands on the uh, volume scale. Uh, mm-hmm. The other uh, information: Ben Karen and Susanna White are directing some episodes with Toby Haynes, of course, the lead director. Again, some of the stuff we might have heard, some stuff just figured wanted to recap. Anything jumping out at you there, sir? Yeah, the if it is indeed uh, accurate, the twelve episode uh, season that is really great to hear that confirmation. Uh, I think twelve episodes uh, for a Star Wars story suggests that there is really room for a a complex story with a lot of nuance. Um, mm. I think where my mind goes right away when I see twelve episode for a live action thing is, I wonder if it is going to move toward having each episode be uh, a little bit more similar in length. Mm. You know, um, yeah. Mandalorian, particularly the first season, was a little bit all over the map. Um, but there's a part of me that's, it, you know, which can be both the gift and curse of streaming. So there's a part yeah. of me that's like, well, if if these episodes go a little bit closer to uh, kind of standard broadcaster streaming and are something in the 45-minute to an hour episode, that starts to add up to, like, that's a, a long... Yeah, story right and um mm-hmm. i i'm really fascinated with having that much room what the kind of storytelling style difference is going to be between say this and the mandalorian like the mandalorian is so clearly invested in the storytelling style of the original trilogy uh which i often describe as like tip of the iceberg right uh mm-hmm. and adventure serial of every episode for the most part mando goes somewhere new and you just kind of get a little hint of what's going on uh and then we move on and i feel like andor is posed to kind of be on the opposite end of storytelling right it is a really uh well-defined era in some ways and just the nature of espionage storytelling means absolutely get mired in the details right so it's really interesting for me to think of like a 12 episode season that is more uh, grounded in all of the details going on and all of the nuances of can I trust this person? Can I not trust this person? All that kind of stuff. Uh, seeing 12 episodes made me even more excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it's weird. It's weird because we're so used to maybe growing up in an era of, uh, you know, 23 episode seasons of broadcast television and 12 episodes. I was like, wow, that's a lot. That's that's a long. <laughs> and it is. It is. Uh, but we're so used to the 10, the 6, the 8. Uh, but this and Bad Batch looks to be a little longer as well, too. But uh, so I, I'm actually excited about, ret- like I said, return to that, all the things you're saying about the uh, little time, the effort, and just where you can go. And this is about Andor, but 
Uh, we're obviously, you know, you know, it's going to be plugged a lot into to the, re- the rebellion stuff, the empire, and then just really just going into all the corners of of that story is something that's got me excited there too. And and as we know, there's a good shot that this is a, there's a multi seasons planned. We got that from the uh, Alan Tudyk stuff, so that's even more exciting. Just uh, more hours of Star Wars television. Not a bad thing. No, not at all. It means just really being able, I think, to go deep into uh, these ideas of really depicting how desperate it is that that Cassian and the people around him believe that the Empire's reign has to end. But what kind of horrors do they have to go through to achieve that ultimate goal? That's, you know, fascinating stuff. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely. So, uh, except uh, filming wraps this summer, uh, we'll see if uh, you know something official comes out. And then, you know, set for twenty twenty two, we know we're all building towards Star Wars Celebration twenty twenty two. I don't know if they'll hold off. Um, I imagine some stuff, including Kenobi, will probably maybe be out before Celebration. But then again, with it moving up to May, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we got a Kenobi summer and an Andor fall in twenty twenty two. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this one feels that it's been uh, been been moving forward, you know, for quite a while now. I kind of think that we're going to get this one in in the early part of 2022. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, you got Bad Batch, which um, I don't know, you know, numbers. I'm not here for the Star Wars numbers. Uh, it, it's I could tell it's garnering interest from us as a podcast. You know, we get a lot of new folks coming in to check out this episode, so I think that's working. But we're seeing how Marvel's already. Loki coming down the line. They've already got two in their in their thing, and I'm not doing a Star Wars Marvel comparison, but just uh, you got to imagine they want to keep that Star Wars train going as well on Disney Plus. Yeah, and I think for me, it just makes a ton of sense. Of they've announced the vague December release date for Book of Boba Fett, right? And Boba Fett is a well known character, uh, even if you're not all in on Star Wars. And if that's you know Book of Boba Fett's kind of a, a shorter one and pretty much goes right into season three of Mandalorian they really got people primed to go like, okay, are you used to your weekly Star Wars fix? Well, here is a show that you probably aren't as excited about if you're not an all-in Star Wars fan. And I think even some all-in Star Wars fans aren't sure about Andor. I think it's really going to surprise people. So if you've got them primed uh, to be watching Boba Fett in season three of The Mandalorian, like, we'll just keep watching Andor, that really makes sense to keep people hooked. Yeah, you know what's so funny? I'm going to totally admit, I actually kind of forgot about Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> you said it. I was like, oh, that's right. That is the That would fill the time gap, too. Yeah. Which, which is a good thing. There's so many. I don't, I can't, I'm having trouble keeping track. That's a good <laughs> problem to have as a Star Wars fan. Well, Boba Fett is a bounty hunter. He, he's hard to track. He is hard to track. He is hard to track. Uh, second uh, news story of the week. This is a, a rumor. We'll, we'll uh, put that caveat out there, but it was. Um, an interesting one. And also, you know, we're busy talking about Star Wars on the TV or at least on streaming services. It's nice to hear a little bit of movie news. So this is a rumor that has Patty Jenkins bringing in her Wonder Woman production designer for Rogue Squadron. This comes from the website, The Ronin. Uh, again, don't know much about it there. Uh, that's just what it is. But we'll put that caveat out there. Uh, it says Jenkins will be working once again with a production designer, Aline Bonetto. Now, Aline Bonetto worked with her on Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84. She has many credits, long career, but one that stood out to me because it's one of my favorite movies is 2001's. And oh, my gosh, I cannot believe it was 20 years ago. 2001's 
Amelie, which is uh, uh, one of my favorite movies. For and, and many people enjoy that movie too. I'm not unique there. So uh, there you go. Uh, let's start with that news, and we'll get into uh, what we think uh, someone with uh, those production credits could uh, get us uh, bring to Star Wars, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of with you on it's exciting to think about the movies, right? Because it's got announced with all the other uh, Disney Plus shows, and it's uh, a little bit farther down the line. So I think it's easy for us to you know not focus on it as much, and it is exciting to have even rumors on websites that I've never heard of. <laughs> no offense to the Ronin. Uh, it's exciting to just get refocused on like, oh yeah, that movie's coming and there's lots to have fun speculating mm. about. Uh, but in general, I'm excited for this because I always think it is a good thing when you have um, a director who partners with other creative people often and they have that sense of that team and that uh, camaraderie and work history. So I'm not surprised by this and, and I'm happy for it. And her resume looks amazing. It really does. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, you know, just, you know, I guess the question, Joseph, is what are some of the elements from those productions that uh, that we're familiar with that we we that would get us excited for Star Wars movie for being in the movie? And and and, and to start, I'll start by saying, you know, there was individual parts of both Wonder Woman movie uh, movies that my mind went to. But then when I was sc- scrolling down and saw the Amelie stuff, I, I mean, I, I can't even translate that into Star Wars other than it was such a wonderful hyper-realized fantasy world that you were watching that was so realistic as well. But the colors, everything about it, which is had to, you know, obviously the cinematography and all that kind of stuff, but just the cafe that a lot of Amelie takes place. So the apartment, the apartment of her neighbor, uh, there's just, it's it was mystical and magical. And I would love, it's a war picture. It's Rogue Squadron, but, you know, could you bring some of, some of that wonder and magic to Star Wars? We need that. We want that in a Star Wars war picture. Uh, and and I, I'm excited about that. Yes, I, I want the space version of an artsy uh, French uh, woman uh, is a pilot. Please, please give me Amelie in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, you, any, anything for you jumps out? To- yeah, I think for me, um, in the Wonder Woman films in particular, uh, there's some stuff that really translates in, in an interesting way to me about uh, Star Wars and Rogue Squadron in particular. Um, you know, Themyscira, I, I think, uh, you know, the island that uh, Wonder Woman is from has got some great uh, design that really, to me, relates to Star Wars. It is, uh, you know, it's kind of magical, but also it's really functional. So you can kind of, it's got that great uh, just sort of storytelling in its visual design that it, it feels both ancient and totally lived in. Um, yeah. I think it is a great kind of Star Wars design, the way Themyscira was designed for that first film. Uh, and obviously the first film deals a lot in war too. And I think the, uh, yeah. the look of that, the village that Wonder Woman saves is amazing. And then on a little bit more of the fantasy side of things, uh, spoilers for those who have not, light spoilers if you have not watched Wonder Woman 1984, but the climax is in this, it's a real kind of quote unquote real place, but it is, has that sense of the fantastic. It is, you know, uh, a mountain cave with a lake that is also a high tech satellite control station. <laughs> it's right. very, it has very much a design of like, yeah, no, I can see somebody having a lightsaber fight in that space. So there, yeah, there, there are yeah. things throughout the two of them that have that sense of uh, fantasy that's grounded in reality. Yeah, look, if I didn't, if I hadn't scrolled all the way down on her IMDb uh, resume, there we're talking about Aline Bonetto. Like, I, I would this would have been me talking about the World War One sequence, 
right? I mean, there's so much you can look at that and go, oh, the design of just everything, the trenches and everything, um, the way they shot it. And again, again you know, it's all part of the bigger picture. Jenkins directing it. Yeah, I, I would have been talking just about that. But then uh, then I just got lost in the wonder <laughs> of, <laughs> of uh, you know, Audrey, uh, you know, uh, what's Audrey to tell, uh, looking up at the uh, clouds as they wink at her. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's have that in Rogue, <laughs> Rogue Squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, it's interesting that uh, the that Aline Bonetto has done a lot of period pieces. I mean, w- both Wonder mm-hmm. Woman films are period pieces. Yeah. Um, odd to say, uh, 1984 is a period piece, but that is reality now. Uh, yeah. And I think period pieces really lend themselves to Star Wars, the way Star Wars has borrowed lots of different aesthetics from different places and, and different mm-hmm. times. Uh, to make the, it always feel like a, a story that's being told in a galaxy far, far away and a long you know time ago. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, this would be a really interesting discussion if uh, if Rogue Squadron sounds like it was going to be set you know in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Uh, but so far, the hints, and this is speculation based on interpreting phrasing, the the description of Rogue Squadron says, you know, mm. pushing forward into a new era of storytelling, uh, which mm. to my mind, I, I really do feel like this is going to be after the sequel trilogy, um, which means there is potentially room to do some really new Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. design of what does the galaxy mm-hmm. look like after the events of the sequel trilogy. That, that's a great point. And, and I have... Yeah, that's a great point because uh, I love the look of the sequel trilogy. I really do. Rise of Skywalker actually might be my favorite one, though. Though Ryan and and uh, was uh, Steve Yedlin shot the hell out of Last Jedi, and you could hang every frame on a on a museum wall. I do believe, but like, I just love. There's something I love about Rise of Skywalker: the look, the feel, the colors, everything. But I've I've said before, like I like Solo. Solo's my favorite looking of the modern Disney era films. Rogue One's got a similar vibe, but I think you're right. I don't know. I, I we could we don't have to be beholden to it much other than what they want to try to do. So it could be something brand new and and having some of uh you know winking clouds. <laughs> I'm not saying that's gonna be in there, but yeah. It's uh, anyway. It's an interesting choice, and it got me excited. The point of this whole thing, uh, uh, Joseph, is yeah. I saw some Star Wars movie news, and that got me excited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in one way, it's the like, oh wow, it's it's still over two years away, right? Because yeah. it's 2023. And then at the same time, like, well, imagine two years ago. It does not feel long ago now. <laughs> and in the course of this conversation, I just realized how much I didn't realize. I realized how much I didn't realize uh, how much I want Audrey Tuteau in a Star Wars film. is <laughs> like a resistance uh, for our New Republic uh, politician or uh, crime lord even. I don't know. Uh, that's There you go. I, that's, a, that's a dream casting. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Do you want to have a, a Star Wars version of the name, Amelie? <laughs> oh, I mean, like Lee Ama. That's uh that's this character's yeah. name. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Done it. You've got no picture. Excellent. Uh, so that's a quick look at Star Wars news. Before we take a break, we do uh, recommend an audio book for you. It's our four center four center recommends. I can't talk today because my jaw's just tired. It's just tired. Just I understand. Gonna... It's been hanging open thinking about those Star Wars drones for the last twenty four <laughs> hours, right? Angry Yoda. Yeah. Uh, so here's our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. That's right. We are recommending Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Uh, it's one of my favorite novels. And as time goes on, I think it's a really important one uh, to canon. It's got some great details in it. So if you've never read or listened to Bloodline, uh, please check it out. Bloodline by Claudia Gray. 
Download that book or any other book you want to try out on us by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audio book. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we got some great questions and more here on the 329th edition of Forcecenter. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Center of the Big Show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. We had looked at the news, but now, Joseph, it's time to take those cues. Yeah, very excited for our cues. I'm going to say right up here at the top, we got kind of a, a special one. We have uh, two cues and an E. And <laughs> what I mean by that is we're taking uh, two questions um, from Twitter like we always do. But uh, over on Patreon, when we sent out a request uh, for for questions from our patrons uh one of our patrons uh and listeners adam knight uh sent us uh what i'm describing as an e an essay uh which is mm. great we always encourage uh people to let us know what they're thinking uh behind the question because we we like to get to know our listeners and where they're coming from and is there a reason uh you're asking this question you know it's real different to hear um hey ever since i was three years old uh boba fett was my favorite character i went through this and this and this with boba fett and that's why i'm asking uh so we encourage essays uh, and Adam sent us this really nice uh, just meditation on anger and mm. thinking through how uh, Star Wars and the lessons of Star Wars uh, helps him process that. So we're going to take these two questions from Twitter and then we're going to read this E, this essay uh, from Adam. So here we go. Are you ready for the cues, Ken? I am ready for the cues. Excellent. Uh, first one is from Garrett on Twitter. Garrett says, given its long history and number of wielders, what do you think the overall legacy of the Skywalker blade will be? I personally loved Ray's journey with it, but also loved Ben earning the right to use it. Uh, thank you for the show and all your amazing insights. Thank you for the great question, Garrett. Uh, this is something that I think Star Wars fans have been having a lot of fun uh, discussing because we now have... Uh, sort of been with this blade for a long time. We saw it respectively, uh, respectfully buried for now uh, by Ray at uh, the end of Rise of Skywalker. What are you thinking, Ken? What what is the legacy of the Skywalker blade to you right now? If it, yeah, to me, uh, this is a great because you know, then you can you can also go in world and then do the do you have like Star Tours taking taking you to the burial site of the <laughs> uh, the twin blades of hope? I, I think that could work too. So I yeah, what it really does mean to me is actually like it's really true the Star Wars story. It's it's a weapon of defense and uh, enlightenment from another age, but it's also a weapon of war and it's also done some horrible things. Uh, it's been wielded by some folks making some bad decisions, and it's been this uh, you know symbol of hope and this symbol of the fight going on and all these wonderful things and and even Ray. Uh, giving up the blade in a way after earning probably just as, as well as Ben in the end, if not more, I would say, I I think it's the star Wars story. It is the story of redemption. It's the story of lessons. It's a story of pain and how you can come back from that. It's a story of trauma and it is uh, a story of uh, learning how to turn back towards your destiny or your path or make the bigger decision outside of yourself. It's all these things that you and I talk about every week that everyone listening enjoys and goes and talks about on their own every week all wrapped up in this blade that is this wonderful long adventure that starts, it's almost 
just this innocuous kind of like, yeah, you, Anna can build another one. You broke your first one. You know, it starts from there's no pomp and circumstance around its launch to me. Uh, but it, it it just grows and grows and grows and becomes more important to every generation. It's it's the blade of the Star Wars story. Yeah, no, that's I really, really like that take. It is uh, it holds many things uh, that are just absolutely essential to Star Wars. Um, and I feel like as time goes on and there's a lot of great perspectives on this and even more stories with the blade and we we know it's uh, end point for now. Um it makes me want even more somewhere somehow to hear the story of Anakin building it. And uh, Kristen Baver has a really great approach to it in the, the Skywalker biography about mm-hmm. it being uh, made as a weapon of war because Anakin knew I'm taking this into the clone wars. And I think that's a really great and interesting take. And if that was the story of Anakin building it, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. Um, but I'm really uh, interested to see its beginnings. But for me, I think ultimately it is, uh, I wrestle between different things. I think you could call it a symbol of choice because right. it has been uh, been used to do some awful things, but it has been used to do many wonderful things. Uh, we see the characters uh, really wrestle with that in the sequel trilogy of not only earning it, but like once you get your hands on it, how are you using it? Uh, what are you using it for? Um I also uh, can really see it as a symbol of choosing to act. Mm. I would maybe marry that one to hope, and I think that's that's really what it is. It is a symbol that the light side does want you to act. Uh, mm. Jedi wrestle with this again and again because they want to take the high road. Uh, they become concerned that by taking any action particularly in action uh, with a lightsaber that you'll shift from uh, defense to attack and maybe you'll make things worse. Right. Uh, mm. And the blade has kind of gone through those cycles of, uh, you know, Anakin using it uh, in the war many times to, to defend people, to save people, a symbol of hope of, uh, I think I'm going to die, but suddenly this Jedi is here with this uh, glowing blue blade and, and I'm saved. Right. And then, uh, moments of act, absolute horror as he falls uh, to Vader. And then, you know, the blade is is protected as a symbol of kind of hope in that the light side will rise again by Obi-Wan. It's given to Luke. And I think that's a lot of the, the real world feelings we have of all those images of Luke holding up uh, this glowing sword of like a hero will come. The light side will push back against the dark. It's hope. It's the choice to act. And then I think all of those ideas just get really made concrete in the Mm. sequel trilogy of the blade itself is like, no, the lights, the dark side is rising and the light does need to be there to defend against it, to hold back. It's calling out to Ray. Uh, Ray's making that argument to Luke. And I feel like Luke is really agreeing with this argument that the light side does need to rise in defense uh, when the dark side Mm. is, is on the rise by choosing that blade to project uh, onto crate, you know, it's that blade in particular that has been this symbol of hope and this symbol of taking action. And uh, as Ray wrestles with how to take action, what kind of action to take uh, and she and Ben, you know, come together and come to this point of understanding that they can share it. Uh, they are using it. I think just visually the way that uh, the light side wants it to be used, the way the blade should be used is just, literally uh blocking palpatine's lightning his hate 
from going yeah. out into the galaxy. It's this, you know, it's a sword, but it's like this shield that is standing between uh, the darkness and the rest of the galaxy. And mm-hmm. I think that is what makes it um, really compelling to me is a, is a, a symbol of uh, it's hard to find the right path, but you do have to try to find it. You have to act if you are a servant uh, of the mm-hmm. light, ultimately. And I really like thinking about the blade from the perspective of whatever Anakin was thinking about the Clone Wars. If he was thinking like, I need I need a powerful weapon to fight. It's also got to be thinking, you know, I'm the chosen one and I'm supposed to defeat the Sith and the Sith are right. behind the war. And a part of my mission by building this is this. This is the blade that will defeat the Sith. This is the blade that will defeat Sidious. And I kind of like that eventually in Rise of Skywalker, along with uh, Leia's blade. It does. Yeah. It does. Just takes a bit. Takes Got a bit. Patience in Star Wars storytelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well said. I, 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 I. It is such the blade, right? It's, it's the blade. And if, when you make a, you make a list of your favorite lightsabers uh, over the course of your Star Wars fandom, other ones might rank higher. You know, Luke's uh, Return of the Jedi one, brother. I'm sorry for me, but I love in, in, that in the end, this simple, sleek. Blue blade that uh, I remember once as a kid, kind of thinking it was the boring version. <laughs> Seven, like I like the green one with the. It, it, it's so powerful, means so much to all of us, and and uh, in story and out. I got to imagine in story though, it's less known than we know, right? Than we look at it, <laughs> like a uh, lightsaber, right? On. Yeah, it's like Vader. Like, wait, Vader was Anakin. Wait, he had kids. What? We didn't know any of this. Yeah, no, that's really that's a really good point. It's not like people are like, yes, it's been in museums. Yeah, I went to see the the time they had it on display. Like it is, uh, right. it, people. Some people know about lightsabers, but I do like that that uh, we constantly meet it as being weighed down with meaning. Right, yeah. the first time we meet it uh, in A New Hope, it's Anakin's blade, and then it's got this weight of like it's. Luke and Anakin's blade and then who is going to wield it between Ben and Ray and that that uh, who 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 will have the power is such a big part of its story. Mm. Great question, Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to move on to our next question uh from Paul Weller. Paul says if you could add a scene to any of the original trilogy films, either a deleted scene put back in or one you made up in your head, what would it be? Ken, I literally had dreams about this one. <laughs> mm. uh, this is great. First of all, uh, Paul writes uh, writes us uh, a lot here. A great longtime Force Center fan, and and it's Weller with an A at the end. But every time I hear it or read it, I can't help but think it is the Mod Father, the former frontman of the Jam, and one of my favorite artists. So in my head, Ken and Paul Weller, you are Paul Weller. Don't deny it. Just run with it. <laughs> Let me have this moment. Um, great stuff here. Yeah. So uh, d- a deleted scene. Put back in or one you made up in your head. Uh, I can't wait to get to your fever dreams here, Joseph. Uh, so I'll be a little more direct here. I, of all the deleted scenes out there from the original trilogy, I really, yes, I love the character, but it's, it's, I just think it's an interesting angle that Moff Jer Gerard, like, was tasked with destroying Endor and kind of can't do it. And not, not that I need uh, good old uh, uh, Tion uh, Jer Gerard to have like his day in the redemption sun. I could, I don't need need that in my Star Wars fandom. Um, but I've always kind of uh, had a you know just like this character. I I thought it was just interesting. I thought it was something great. And I uh, and I, I pacing wise, I always think deleted scenes end up being pretty much deleted for good reasons uh, when you're making a film. 
but but that one's always been once I once I discovered that was part of uh, like actually shot. I think some of it might is in the novel if I remember. But once I, like that exists, um, I'm like, come on, I, I want to see that. Then when you buy, you know, YouTube shows, now you can find those deleted scenes anywhere. I just think they're kind of uh, kind of interesting to the turn the Jedi story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if anybody is interested and doesn't know, you can tab over to Extras on Disney Plus, and they have a ton of these uh, deleted scenes right there uh, for easy consumption. You don't even have to go through all the labor of putting a disc in a machine and closing it. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I was I was watching through some and I was like, yes, I am ninety nine point nine percent sure that this is going to be Ken's answer. <laughs> yes. And I was like, and I think I agree from the original trilogy, from the actual cut scenes. Um, yeah, I think I, I totally understand why it was cut, because it has mm-hmm. that tension of um, it's coming in the climax of Return of the Jedi and if we're introducing this tension of, oh, no, is the Death Star going to fire on Endor? It is a. Uh, a repetitive of you know the yep. Yavin battle in A New Hope, and it also maybe takes a little bit of your focus away from you know will Vader save Luke, right? Depending on exactly how and when it's cut in. Um, so I, I understand you know why it was maybe like we want we want people's attention to be focused on on <laughs> these three battles that, that we're watching. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that really elevated this for me is and made me think that yeah. It's, I would I would consider adding it back in is it's a great way to just show the true absolute horror of the empire mm-hmm. that the emperor is saying, you know, if there's even any chance that we're exposed, yeah, blow up the moon. And I don't care how many of, you know, uh, my best troops, how many legions of my best troops, you know, an entire yeah. legion of my best troops blow them up. It's really showing uh, through action uh, how awful the Sidious in the Empire is and showing, you know, that humanity that has come out in so much modern storytelling of, of showing mm-hmm. people who uh, go along with the Empire and then different uh, people at different times have true epiphanies of like what they're yeah. a part of. And that storytelling is valuable. But the huge thing for me, Ken, I had to look it up to make sure I got it right. Put some respect on the man's name. Michael Pennington. Mm-hmm. Great actor. He yeah. in that deleted scene, some of the deleted scenes are like uh, are like, oh, yeah, I can see like, you know, that's a neat idea. But, yeah, maybe there's a little something off about the performance, right. you know. Yeah. This could be re-edited into just a short film, <laughs> a short yeah. story. Right. You almost watch it and it is just a little bit like uh, <laughs> Moff yeah. Gerard's very bad day. This is going oh, on, too. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. From uh, your boss shows up, and then uh, his boss is going to show up, and you're being uh, threatened, and then choked, and then told to destroy your workmate. Like everything about it. Yeah, you're right. It's a short film, but his his performance is so great. Where he kind of pushes back, and then there that uh, the guy doing the targeting is like a uh, moon target uh, is in range. Uh, moon target is in range, and just the utter defeat. When he's like, "Yes, fire." Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, really powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's like, and, and I should point out, yeah, it, it, you know, we need to carry it on a little more and, and have the true redemption of uh, Moff Gerard, but uh, uh, not to be, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think it, I think it's a great little thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the I just looked at this question before bed, and then I just kind of had weird dreams about different parts of uh, talking to people about life, and like, no, that didn't happen. That was a deleted scene. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and part of that for me is, you know. Um, got to see the films when I was young, but then they lived on in trading cards and storybooks. And, yeah. and I had foggy memories of what was and wasn't in the film. 
And mm-hmm. for a long time, I thought Luke seeing the battle above Tatooine was in the film. Um, oh, yeah. And that, you know, I also understand that way that was cut. But that'd be my other, maybe, uh, maybe mm-hmm. not the whole scene as shot of of Biggs. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, tipsy Luke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> A lot of great yeah. stuff in there. But I'm so, as the storytelling of Star Wars developed and it became, this is really fate coming for Luke Skywalker because that's Luke seeing his father chase his sister and the Mm. droids that are tied to the Skywalker legacy are there and they're coming for him. It, you know, I think in the very original writing, it was just, it was the, the kid who dreamed of something more seeing a battle and, and the horrors of the galaxy coming all the way out to this small planet. Uh, But as the star Wars story grows, and to me, it's a moment of the force going, just no, the twins need to come together. The next generation needs to take the reins there's something really powerful about Luke just looking up and not knowing that that's his destiny that he's seeing. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. 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 You know, especially uh, later on looking at the twin sons, it's like uh, the force is like uh, your adventure has already begun. Yeah. Which I think it's part of the star Wars story uh, uh, that resonates with me. That's a great one. Yeah. So for, is there any uh, deleted scene that is made up in your head canon that you want in uh, these films? A little funny one. Um, Return of the Jedi, and then and then a more serious one. Uh, well, kind of serious. Um, Return of the Jedi. I've always loved that little. And it's who knows, maybe a sketch has been. Who knows, maybe even you, Joseph, have written this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but I love uh, the briefing in Return of the Jedi. They're going Akbar, Medid, everyone's there, Mon Mothma, and then the whole meeting comes to a stop when Luke like pops back in. And then, like, I'd be like, "Hey, we're talking here." Everybody. Like, I, so I want to see like that that interaction from another angle, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah, we were done Bar- anyway, Jedi. Yeah, jeez, yeah, yeah. Akbar's like, well, I guess, I guess the meeting's done. <laughs> I guess that's lunch, everybody. Just like all kind of grumpy about it. That's always uh, been one of my since I was a kid. Just like, hey, just shows up and everyone stops. Uh, so, but that that one, what we've talked about before, that you and I just are pretty convinced that we could say happened in our mind and our headcanon, but it, it, there'd be literally no need for it in a film. It would erase every sense of, uh, of, of surprise and every bit of drama. So we don't need this one, but I would like to see on record, just Han and Chewie leaving Yavin for and the whole Chewie conversation, Han wavering. Should he go back now? We got our money. Chewie pointing out infest nest stuff and anything else along the way that we don't yet know about. And Han finally going, no, we got turned around. Uh, I've always cast Chewie as the one going, yeah, you jerk. We got to turn around. You know, I, I turned around for you on uh castle cause I, I, I saw who you really are and I know who you really are. So let's do this. Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of the great moments of solo. I think if it was really like uh Chewie's like, Hey, remember that life debt, you know, <laughs> remember all the things that, uh, that, that, the reasons that that came about. Yeah. Remember when I saw who you really were when you went back for Lando, remember? <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember, remember. Yeah, I think there's a lot of arg, arg. His uh, yeah. his Chewie's roars are often subtitled on Disney Plus yeah. of just arg. <laughs> yeah, and it could even be, I've yeah, yeah. I think that I think some of the stuff in Force Awakens where Chewie's reacting or no, too. What was the other one? Some of that great, those great uh, moments. But I could also see Chewie just the wall of silence as Han just kind of bumbles his way through. That it, eh, nah, well, this is a good idea. Nah, but all that money, I don't know. Yeah. Eh. That's almost the more elegant scene to me where it's just a silent scene where uh, Chewbacca is in the co-pilot seat, but he's entirely turned around just staring at Han. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Those piercing blue eyes, piercing yeah. Han's uh, gruff exterior. All right, all right. 
So there you go. Yeah. Um, there's that uh, great uh, sandstorm uh, scene in Return of the Jedi. Um, and there, there's some great stuff there, but but still, I would have loved a scene in Return of the Jedi. And I think I used to hear legends that that's what the sandstorm scene was. But I always wanted as a kid, uh, since there's so much uh, put on Han's doubt of Luke, I always wanted that moment where Han was like, damn, so that flip? <laughs> yeah. In the light. Oh, yeah. So, uh, like, Han's struggling with, you know, uh, there's great stuff in the actual script in that sandstorm about Han truly thanking Luke and being moved that Luke mm. came to help him and Han expressing yeah. it in his own way. But Han wrestling with like, yeah, so that whole force thing and you being a Jedi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could be the start of that uh, transition. We end up uh, getting in Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is that there's a little bit of that scene in Force Awakens of like, that's what I always wanted of Han being like, hey, mea culpa, it's totally true. I've seen it. <laughs> a bunch it's it's totally true yeah yeah i love that idea yeah uh, and then the the other one that was sort of dreamlike uh because it's in comics and other things uh and watch the deleted scenes of it of uh, you know there's yoda in luke's uh, lightsaber training on dagobah uh with the the silver bar and that but uh, you know if if we're just inserting total head cannon i would love yoda uh, in luke uh actually lightsaber training on dagobah and yoda you know, being pretty firm with Luke, too, about a, what a lightsaber is for and what it isn't for. You know, I think mm -hmm. that would be uh, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all those scenes coming soon to the Four Center Special Edition. Uh, the <laughs> longest scene will be waiting for Luke to leave and the, uh, the meeting starting up again. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, in fact, they just they rotate and they turn to a different part of the room and we see Hera and all the other yeah. characters who we know are there now. <laughs> yeah, Hera, Cass Dameron, Sherabay, all like Shriv, yeah. yeah, Shriv's there. Yeah, Shriv would be great. Oh, I guess you show up and we're all done. All right. <laughs> uh, you got a lightsaber. You can just end the meeting, I guess. Okay. <laughs> great question, Paul. Uh, we're going to move on now to our E. Uh, this is a special message instead of a question. From our patron, Adam Knight. Uh, here we go, Ken. Uh, this is less of a question and more of a kudos to the level of realization I've made that I can solely attribute to the deep thoughts and discussions I've enjoyed being a part uh, here via Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer. Without getting into too many lurid details, I recently had an object lesson into the purifying power of anger. After mm. first being presented with some facts, a swell of pure, righteous anger seemed to fill my consciousness. It was so powerful that I carried it with me for several days. The kind of anger where everything in my life seemed to be a reminder of the thing that was fueling this level of vitriol. I carried it into my writing, my workouts, and more. After a time, I was given more information to the source of my anger, was able to find context and some understanding for why the incident in question occurred the way it did, and finally was able to release the anger and start anew, which was when I realized something awful. I missed the anger. Not the gut-churning aggressive parts, but the purity of it. That certainty that my anger was just and righteous and that the reason I was so damned angry had a purpose that would eventually be revealed where I could unleash it all in a fury of lightning strikes and rage. I also missed the anger because it left behind a sense of shame. Shame at myself for enjoying the rage, for enjoying the wrong-headed sense of certainty in the emotion. Shame for realizing how wrong I was to have let myself get into that state and refuse to search out other information or knowledge that could have dispelled my anger and actually made a positive difference in my life. As such, thanks to Force Center, I have realized that this is the true power of the dark side because it is quicker to join you in a fight, feeding upon the baser instincts within your soul, 
The dark side stokes one's anger until it is all you can see. It blinds you to other options, avenues of thought, and pathways you could take. And anytime you think you've gone too far in your anger, the dark side fills you with shame. After all, if you are capable of all these horrible thoughts and actions, you might not be justified. What kind of person would that make you? And I'm not joking when I say that the discussions I've been privileged to listen to here on Force Center help me realize these things about myself, give me personal perspective, and remind me that we will know we're one with the Force when we are calm and focused. Here endeth today's essay. Next time I promise to be more lighthearted and talk about Obi-Wan's beard giving him swagger or something. But for today, I just wanted to say thanks to you all. May the Force be with you. Uh May the force be with you, Adam. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for sharing that. And thank you for all the kind words. Uh, really wanted to share that, to share the um, the perspective and the personal experience that Adam lays out uh, so much. And um, thank you for the kind words. But uh, to me, the value of, of Adam's wonderful essay is, is not uh, the compliments <laughs> to the podcast, <laughs> but rather uh, the lessons. Because if yeah. anything, I hope that that, can we do a, a good job of taking what we have learned in our interpretation of the lessons available in Star Wars and, mm -hmm. and sharing them? What are your thoughts on Adam's essay? Oh, a lot of wonderful thoughts. And, and, and Adam, has, uh, he's, uh, he's in the world of pro wrestling. He's an author as well. He has a great blog, readingandwrestling.blogspot.com, to shout that out there. But what I love about that is, uh, what I mentioned that specifically, other than to give Adam a bit of a, a rub here, but uh, you, you mentioned it up top, Joseph, about um, Star Wars fans and, and wh who you think, whether you fight against it or not, just sometimes you might subconsciously fall into that trap of who you think is a Star Wars fan or who you think is that. Adam's just a big, strong guy. He's been in pro wrestling 25 years, and I've been in, in and out of the wrestling business over the course of 20 years, and it's been a few years since I've been in a locker room, and I know that environment, and I know it's tough, and and I think Adam, uh, I think it's easier to celebrate Star Wars in a lot of circles now, but it might be not as celebrated in that uh, in those locker rooms. It might be viewed a little differently. And so he's come to find Star Wars uh, on his own and, and and then apply it to his life in a way that is also maybe um, hard to express in some of those situations. Uh, rage and anger and, and uh, aggression. That's sometimes what you need to tell your story in the ring, and but sometimes it can carry over to the locker room. And I think it's very powerful for him to, for me to hear and read uh, Adam's story coming from that particular world, because that's what Star Wars has done for me a lot. I, I didn't grow up a, a, a big uh, sports guy or an aggressive kid. I was quite shy and timid, uh, but eventually started getting into those worlds and started, uh, you know, lifting weights and go in the wrestling locker rooms and been in some match. And you just work and working a job where it was very tough at times. And you had to maintain a tough exterior that was maybe not your true heart. And sometimes you fall into that and star Wars over the last few years, particularly and, and specifically our discussions here on force center, Joseph, and some of your great insights into themes have helped me in my own life. I really connect. I don't know the details of what Adam is talking about, but I really connect to what he's saying where, where it's easy to give in to that aggression, to that dark side, to that power, that unlimited power in our lives on a daily basis, on a small basis, or in, in what Adam's talking about, maybe a specific in, incident or situation. So uh, all that ramble to say, I was really touched by that from that side of it. Uh, I'm just, uh, of uh, probably knowing where Adam uh, sometimes might be surrounded by uh, with the version of anger, the version of strength that people think you need to have. And for him to even stand up against that in his own life and his own heart is a big step. And that does come from processing Star Wars on a different level. 
Yeah, that's very, very well said and very insightful. And I, I think uh, for myself, I feel like there's just a lot in culture and, and I think it's getting better, but certainly uh, when we grew up that did just equate uh, anger with strength, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with telling those those stories or or yeah. certainly being strong or pushing yourself. Uh, but there, there's this right. possibility that it elides into uh, thinking that anger and strength is great and that um, kindness or empathy or a deep breath or deciding not to engage uh, or letting something go if you feel wronged is, is weakness and that's the last thing you want to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, to the point where I, I, I don't think it fully uh, uh, affected me or changed me at a young age because I think I was surrounded by so many other cultural ideas, but as I got older and I rewatched Return of the Jedi again and again and, and realizing as a kid, it just never occurred to me that mm-hmm. Luke or Vader wouldn't kill one another. Like that's how the movie's going to end. Which one's going to kill him? The other, because that's how things end. Right. Uh, and this idea that there could be another path that is much more about kindness and empathy and connection and um, that anger isn't, everything you know and that power and strength aren't everything um and and i think that is it's something that we highlight and talk about a lot in force center because i think it's one of the really powerful messages uh of star wars and it's something that's that's really um that has helped me because i i i try to be positive and celebratory always on on force center because that is a big part of my personality uh if you meet me in real life but i got an angry side um Mm -hmm. And, and I have, you know, I can trace back mistakes that I've made in my life to, well, either like Adam's describing, I didn't have the full picture and I was angry about something I didn't even need to be angry about. Or looking back, it's like, yeah, I, I understand that uh, maybe I really had a point, but my anger didn't solve anything. It only made things much, much worse. And uh, I remember moments where I've been angry about something dumb. I, I got mm-hmm. angry about a, a role that I thought I should get in a in a casting scenario. And I was actually cast in the show. I just didn't get the role I wanted. But I was so angry. And I'm not even going to say the show because it was, it was yeah. uh, it, it's uh, the show is a bright, happy show. So it'll be really funny to imagine like this guy was dark side level, lightning out of his fingers, <laughs> furious and couldn't let it go about not being cast at this silly part right. because uh the anger got me and I, I couldn't get out of it. And, and sometimes when I get angry, uh, I, I understand for that in that moment, the dark side, because like, I, I know I should stop and I can't, and I can't let it go. And I think um, that time when I look back, I was angry about something that didn't matter because it was just a, a stand in for what I was really angry about, which mm-hmm. was, you know, feeling, uh, you know, maybe that, maybe I'm not valued. Maybe, maybe people don't, think highly of me all these kind of things uh that is healthier to eventually just uh try to address but i can so relate to what uh adam is saying because you find those moments where you're caught in it and it feels like a cycle and you just can't let it go and there's comfort in just thinking i'm right whatever perspective i am is right and it's easier to just stay angry uh but Mm -hmm. it never actually makes things better the only times in my life where anger has made something better is i have got angry about something and said okay uh then i need to change x but i can't change it while i'm angry i'll let the anger be an epiphany that something needs to change 
but I'm not going to change it with anger. You need to change it by being calm and thoughtful and, and strong, but not uh, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a, someone in Adam, uh, Adam wrote uh, towards the end of the piece here, the dark side stokes one's anger until it is all you can see. It blinds you to other options, avenues of thought and pathways you could take. Uh, and anytime you think you've gone too far, the dark side fills you with shame. I, I really uh, connect with that too. And I love, I love the way he's, um, you know, speaking in Star Wars a little bit because that stuff works. I do that too with my friends. And I think you and I uh, have even done that, uh, you know, off air. You're just discussing, you know, an important life thing. Yeah, it's like that moment in Star Wars. It's just how we can process things. But what Adam's saying here, even recently I had a, had a little bit of an angry incident and she's like, and, and, and there's that voice in your head as it's happening that's going, oh, we've gone down the wrong path. But then you feel like you can't turn around. It reminds me of Kylo and it's part of his, his story of, um, I think that's, the internal struggle is I've done, I have done wrong. I can't go back. I have too much shame and shame will cloud you. And it's, it's the byproduct of anger. I think it, it is, it is the, once the roaring stops, that's what you're left with. And that, that, that blinds you even more. And I think it's smart for, for Adam to point that out and, and speak in terms of Star Wars about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well said to you, Ken, and very well said, Adam, thank you uh, so much uh, for sharing that. And I, I know, um, uh, for myself, Ken, just for the podcast, it is so great to enjoy all of the aspects of Star Wars, to understand the great mystery, <laughs> yes. uh, to talk about the silly stuff, the fun stuff, the uh, the, the Grogu drones, uh, yes. you know, and to look at it from the the fun perspective and, and to share the the fun adventure serial. But I think that's what we always want to do, too, is, is say that there are these big, big lessons here. And, and in our interpretation, you know, Star Wars has a lot to say about just being human and i think it's uh, it's really meant a lot to me to be able to have those discussions and uh and to have them kind of back and forth uh, not only with you and jennifer but with listeners so i really mm -hmm. appreciate that part of our podcast adventure yeah it's been it's been the the most important thing to come out of uh, just uh, this silly little podcast about a silly little space franchise it is so real and so uh in our daily lives and and that's why i think everyone comes around it if you're listening to force center you're going to star Wars celebration eh, you don't just kind of think star wars is cool <laughs> yeah got a little bit of investment a little bit of investment so thank you adam for that great essay and thank you uh paul and garrett for the wonderful questions that's it ken that's it, but that's a lot. We covered a lot of ground, the highs and lows, the joys, the struggles, the big lessons of Star Wars, all here. And Grumpy Yoda, Angry Yoda on a floating ball. That's right. We've discussed it all. Uh, we are Force Center Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. I'll say this. If you see a shirt, get it before it's gone. <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, a certain company with mouse ears just making sure. Uh, so uh, us, Brian Ward, anyone else, if you see a Star Wars design at Public, get it. Uh, and then get on out the get on out the store real fast. Uh, Patreon.com slash four centers where you can support us directly. You can support uh, me. That's weird. Or you just follow me. You don't have to support me. But you can go to Cadnapsack or Cadnapsack.com uh, to follow me. Joseph? Yeah, you can uh, find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can uh, follow my website. Follow my website. That's I know how to verb. Uh, it's, a, it's, a day. it's a week. 
<laughs> you can, I don't know, uh, spelunk my website, whatever you want to <laughs> do to my website. It's josephscrimshaw.com. I'm also distracted because I, I think as soon as we get done recording, I got to go to uh, Brian Ward's uh, Tee Public <laughs> because there are a couple shirts I've been wanting. So I got to get on that. Anyway, uh, josephscrimshaw.com. That's where you can find me. Yes. Yeah, so we always, I forget, we always highlight charities. Uh, for me, I'm just uh, wrapping up my first uh, session of work with the Battle Buddy Foundation over the over at uh, uh, my uh, channel, the Good People Association with Josh, Mark, and Eric. Um, we actually had uh, Ketty and Chrissy and their dog Atlas and their other dog Archer in the studio. Um, so if you want to check out more, Battle Buddy Foundation helps uh, raise money, uh, train, and then give uh, service animals to veterans to help them trans- uh, transition back to civilian life and go to uh, the Battle Buddy Foundation, tbbf.org for more. Joseph, I know you have uh, something to highlight as well, too. Yeah, that's right. I wanted to highlight the service ResistBot. Uh, it is a basically a messaging service that you can find on its uh, website, uh, ResistBot. You can just put that into Google. Uh, you can use it as a texting service. You can use it uh, via Twitter. It's just a very, very fast way uh, to reach your reps at all different uh, levels of government and let them know what you are feeling strongly about. It makes a big difference uh, in terms of convincing reps to support things, but also it lets reps know that uh, that an issue is important. So even if your rep is uh, somebody who supports Uh, what you are reaching out to them about. It is helpful for them to know that there is a big groundswell of support. I think there's a lot of uh, important things going on right now. And I think a resist bot is a great way uh, to get your uh, your voice out there. It is indeed, and that's part of the lessons in Star Wars we have here to uh, get involved and, uh, you know, look out at the greater galaxy and see where you can support uh, folks, ideas, uh, uh, concepts, uh, all those things. It's Pride Month here. We're behind that here in Force Center, too, as well. A lot of things out there in the world to uh, invest in, and uh, that's what Star Wars wants us to do. All right, that is it. I'm going to take a big swig of water and wish you all well, and we'll uh, get on down the road. We'll see you for a deep dive Thursday. This was Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.